awkward at a, some kind of cafe. We just made it through the gate. They stopped us because Aunt Chloe has these bells that we use for meditation in the trainings. The sitting practice, she has these big bronze bells and they just, they didn't know what that was. And they stopped me because I have a little lamp that I use for get plug into my computer and so you can see the lights, but they did not take my pliers. I'm very happy about this. I have a small pair of pliers that I, I need to just do little things. You know. And uh, because I'm a memetic engineer and sometimes people need me to go in and uh, do little things. So, uh, but they didn't take them. So I have my pliers still, this is good. I'll need them in Portugal. We fly in a couple of hours, we fly. So my grounding cord is this pinky, pinky red color. And if you could please make sure you have your center your grounding cord and your bubble. And even if your microphone is not on, please uh, check the color of your grounding cord. And when I count up to three, please everybody say out loud, at least to yourself, the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three. Pink, Lilac. red. Blue. Thank you. Uh, and Chloe and I and Vera Franco just are coming out of uh, four, three and a half days of being with the people from Schloss Glarizeg, which is an eco village in the northern, I think, part of Switzerland near Bodensee, which is a big sea at the bottom of Germany. And this eco village, I've been probably there five times or six times over the years. And they've done really astonishing uh, work to stay together. I mean, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for a community is actually being with people like you guys, for example, who come together on Monday nights. But the thing is, it's like, if, if you don't have this commitment to stay together, kind of no matter what, then when the box reacts or the gremlin reacts, you have some emotional reactivity or something. And you, you just say, well, this is too difficult or it's too painful or too scary, mostly too scary, uh, and then take off. But this group has been really consistently together. And at the same time, it was really astonishing for us to bring in the distinctions about their community, about for example, what level of responsibility does the community commit to? And this is a, a group decision that needs to be made, but how do you make the group decision without, how do you make that kind of a group decision? And so what, we've, what we discovered was there's this map, which is the, uh, the number of people in a, in a group and the level of responsibility that they take. And it starts off at zero, which is no responsibility, child level responsibility, adult level responsibility, high level responsibility, and radical responsibility. And what we did was we explained to them that here you are in this eco village and pretend as if you're just coming into the eco village 
and there's five different eco-villages to choose from. So one eco-village is centered on irresponsibility. Next one on is this, and the next level is a slice of modern culture, a slice of modern culture society, which is centered on child level responsibility, which is passing responsibility on to future generations, third world countries, like that, the, the children. The next eco-village you could choose from is adult level responsibility. Next would be high level responsibility. And the next would be a, a, a codex for your, for your game world that's based on radical responsibility. And we just checked, it's not a vote. It is not a vote. You can do this with any organization. And it's, it's amazing. It's not a vote. It's not what you wish for. It's here are your five options for different game worlds to commit to in terms of a community. And you can do this with any organization. So which do you choose? So how many choose zero? How many choose child? How many choose adult and so on? So we went around the room. There were 20 some people in the room at that time. So we had one person choose for child level responsibility. Seven choose for adult level. Seven choose for high level responsibility and five choose for radical responsibility. So that kind of an outcome shows you that you have a mixed context game world where it was not established as people came into the community, what the game world was about, what level of responsibility, what the game world was about. So they let people come in without having made that choice before and, and so you get a number of people coming in and choosing the unconsciously selecting whichever level of responsibility is most comfortable usually for their box or ground. And then to, uh, you end up with a, every time the group comes together, one of the main conversations is what is the level of content of responsibility we take what level of responsibility do we take and it's a it ends up with kind of a context war at every meeting so to be able to so clearly put this on the table i just wanted to tell you guys so you can you can check this out in your other organizations or your communities is you you can just use that for determining it makes it totally visible what level of responsibility the game world is and it can be make you very happy. It could make you very frustrated. So, but it, I think putting that kind of clarity on the table for everybody so so easily and without it's no discussion. It's not kind of a there's no the procedure is so straightforward. It was fantastic for us. So I just wanted to share that was one of the things we we learned. We also got to share with them a lot of the Taurus technology, which is the Wisdom Council meeting format there's it's on the websites there at the touristtechnology.org they talk you can find a link to the wisdom council and the frying pan and the poop on the table and the walk and the purple card so we were so happy to be able to offer them the purple card and have them take it you know they adopted it as uh a technology that they would use when they felt that somebody in the circle was getting into reactivity and they would just hold up the purple card and people would admit really voluntarily they would say yeah you're right i need an emotional healing process
and I have to tell you one more thing that's totally cool, which is we have this trainer path and the trainer path people are practicing doing these emotional healing processes, just like you guys are doing with each other. And, uh, and I'm, I've invited the trainer path people to have in mind the way to really learn how to do that is to do a thousand of them, a thousand emotional healing processes. And then there's so much can be learned with that kind of a commitment. And, and so where do they get the clients? So what I did was I made this connection between two game worlds, the trainer path game world and this Schloss Glarizeg eco village game world. And I made the deal for the, for the, people in the eco village that if you're committing to this path of doing whatever it takes to prepare yourself to jack into your archetypal lineage then you'll be going through all these processes you'll need to and those who commit to that, that path uh, i'm putting in a whatsapp group with the trainers who are needing to do this thousand person online e emotional healing processes and so we're putting them together so that the eco village people can connect with the trainer path people and the trainer path people have, have, have clients to practice with for free. So it's a, a game world collaboration between the eco village people who are total edge workers and the, the trainer path people who are total edge workers also. And so, and we just started that and people are excited. So I'm really excited and glad about it too. I just would like to ask Shannon to tell us what the hell she's doing. If you could just tell us what experiment you're doing, Shannon. King Clinton Callahan, I reveal to you the divine warrior goddess that is Queen Shannon Walker Chamberlain. At your request, I have presented myself to you today in my fullest I am honored by you. I am honored by your subjects. I value the work it. that you do. I bow at your feet. I, I am honored by your you. experiment. Thank you. I feel number 10 glad. This is my way of sharing with you that even though I was not present, I am listening. I listen. Thank you so much. I'm sitting halfway around the world and you've made my day. <laughs> Thank you. I feel honored by you. King Clinton. Please uh, be, feel free to share anything else today as we go along studying the book together and sharing our lives together. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Could everyone take a deep breath, please? Is there anyone else who would like to say something before we dive back into this section about uh, hints about uh, engaging a 
authentic adulthood initiatory processes together. Anybody else? I cannot see everybody's hand at the same time. So if, if you put your hand up and I don't see, please just start talking. I'm just asking if there's anybody else who would like to, who needs to say something right now. It'd be great to hear a couple more voices. I, Naomi, just want to say that I would love to be present with my expression and my face and my hands, but my camera has stopped working for some reason. So I'm feeling a bit sad to not feel as fully part of everything as I would like to. Uh, and that's the reason that my camera is off. So I'm with you, but without camera. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else? I also cannot describe my gratitude plan because um, yeah, I'm like in a big healing process with my mother, with my 56 years, um, with the help of the fear club. No, I don't know with the help of the fear club and and I'm realizing more and more how much is still my child ego state, my gremlin ego state is is still all messed up with my with my being and but I'm more aware about that and I took the decision to ask for the trainer pass because it's like calling me. And I'm just grateful to be there with you, all of you. Thank you. Touching me. Thank you, Doris. Thank you, Kim. I just because you mentioned those two things, in particular, the gremlin and the child, yeah. we were able to share with the eco-village leadership circle actually or it's not even a leadership circle it's just a the high responsibility circle how actually they had been enmeshing or contaminating their adult ego state with the gremlin ego state as a leadership style and also <clears throat> partly the child ego state was showing up and so for example when we were doing the wisdom circle and i backed out the third time we did a wisdom circle all of us, me and Aunt Chloe and Vera, backed out to be coaches and they took over the space holding for the Wisdom Council. It was so often we had to <clears throat> indicate that the child had stepped in or the gremlin had stepped in mm -hmm. as a leadership force and ask them to take that back out again and go back to adult. So this is so important to notice. So it's, it's, yeah. I'm, glad that, I'm glad you're doing that. Thank you. Somebody else can share something? Martina. I want to share that I make experience of what happens when I say what I want, when I'm together with somebody. And my experience is that when I say what I want, for example, it took me five days to say, I want to spend 
Saturday with you. It took me five days. And the sentence was not even finished out of my mouth. And the other one said, yes, let's do that. So um, it doesn't, and, and I noticed it doesn't matter what he, what he says. It's not important what he says, even if, if he would give me a no. Is another important thing when you say what you want, the, the thing is when you say what you want. Did you speak in I, Martina, when I say when, what when I, I want? Say, yes, thank you. When I say what I want, I am no longer a victim. That's the point. Thank you. Nice. I want to add one thing to that distinction that Martina just gave us, that when you say what you want, you're no longer a victim. And that is my my experiments have been, I say what I want, even when it's impossible, even when I know it's impossible. Because if I don't, if I don't say what I want, then I'm, I'm, I'm lying to myself or I'm lying to the world. So I say what I want, even though it's impossible. And then, I'm, then I stop lying to myself. So I've said it. I've said what I want. And I don't know that it necessarily made so much difference in the outside world, but it really made a difference in my inside world to stop trying to estimate if what I want is possible or not according in whatever space I'm in. And so I, something really relaxed in me when I, when I could say what I want, even though I thought it was impossible. And a few times, some of those things have become possible just because I said what I want. And it's been a remarkable ride. So I encourage you to try that if you'd like. Super. Yeah, Mia? I'd like to speak. This is Mia. I yesterday tried an experiment with a friend and I told her that I wanted to experiment. I had an experiment and I wanted to say something to her that I normally wouldn't say. And that I was trying, I set it up. I set the context up that I was doing this exchange as an experiment for me because normally I wouldn't, say what I was about to say. And so I told her how I felt about her, that I was really intimidated by her and that I, I really like her a lot, but that if my actions, like if I'm aloof or if I pretend like I don't want to interact with you, it's because I'm just totally intimidated by you and that I really like you a lot and that I'm just trying to figure out how to get from where I am to be in authentic relationship with you, but I don't know how. So if it appears that I don't like you, it's just because I'm intimidated by you and I really do like you. And then after that, after that exchange, I felt very uncomfortable. Um, wait, 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 there's four I kinds felt... of, Mia, there's four kinds of uncomfortable. What did you feel? Fear. Thank you. And then I just want to say, um, I got invited to, she, this Friday night is a major Jewish holiday and she's hosting like 20 people at her house. 
and I wanted to be invited to that, but I didn't want to ask to be invited. And then after I was open and I shared my experiment with her, she invited me to the dinner, mm. <laughs> which is really what I wanted. And yeah, so thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for sharing. I'd like to add in that this, this, uh, this thing about feeling not invited has, uh, it turns out to be a lot more common than I knew that people felt not invited and therefore did not include themselves. And so when we were at, at the eco village, we found that out amongst a number of people that they just didn't feel invited to talk to somebody or be in this group or ask these questions. So we made a, a pirate agreement with everybody that from now on for the rest of their lives, they're invited to everything automatically invited to everything and uh, people laughed people their mouth went open it, it was it was a very mm -hmm. fun moment to have this agreement with everybody to just consider themselves formally invited to everything from here on out so that would not stop them from joining or participating or contributing or showing up or any of those things so I would make the same deal here. I would say, what if we agree, let's agree from now on for the rest of our lives, we're invited to everything. You're included in everything. How many people would agree to that? So you don't have to ask, you don't have to wait, you don't have to feel excluded, great. Thank you. Could somebody write that in the in the chat line for us? That we, this agreement. If you could just write down our we we hereby make the formal agreement. You know, we of the Radiant Joy Buoyant Love Study Group hereby make the formal agreement to from now on for the rest of our lives. We're invited to everything. Some would somebody do that? Somebody just put up your hand that you're doing it. We know somebody's doing it. Thank you. Thanks, Dor. Great. Okay. Is there anybody else? Jeff, I saw you put your, your camera on. Did you want to share something? Is anybody else like to say something? Thanks for recognizing that. I don't. Uh, it's a bit rowdy here, so I'm going to. Okay. Uh, Vicente, Vicente, were you going to say something? Yes. Uh, hi, uh, I, I, I actually feel a, bit, a little bit difficulty uh, feeling invited because uh, sometimes I feel that I, I enter other people's spaces, like my, my, my teacher that is in the, my doctorate, she was making a study group and then uh, she she like she said oh i'm doing this study group with this professor in another university and then uh, i went there to to see the work and i talked to the teacher and he said oh come on join join our group but i didn't tell her that i was going to participate and then she was very upset because i was like entering her space without asking permission and then i felt bad because I, I felt that too. I, I should have respected the, 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 the boundaries. I was entering in a space that uh, she didn't invite me. I just went there and the teacher invited me, but, but she was upset. So until today, 
I'm, I'm confused about that. I, I'm, I don't know how to think because I feel that I trespassed. Two, two things might help you figure things out. One is you said you feel bad. You said you felt bad about what happened. Can, there's, there's four kinds of bad. Angry, sad, glad, and scared. They're all bad. They're all good. They're all neutral. Which did, what are you really feeling when you say you feel bad? Uh, I feel, well, I feel guilty. I feel... Guilty is a mixed emotion with anger, sadness, and fear mixed together as one experience. Well, first of all, if I'm being honest, I feel angry because... Thank you. Thank you. I want to tell you just because the second thing you said is I feel confused. And confusion is a, is a twisted way of saying angry. So every time you start want to say, I'm confused, instead substitute the word anger, I feel angry, and you will have so much clarity about what's going on that you didn't have before. So every time you, you think you're confused or you're feeling whatever confusion is, just change it to, I feel angry, and you'll get so much clarity. So thank you, Vicente. What, what were you feeling angry about? That um, that I was being like uh, scolded. I don't know the, the name in English. Like uh, when when someone gets upset on, on you or, mm -hmm. and tell you. Uh, but but I also have fear because uh, because I I know I can do that sometimes. Like I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that uh, wants an apple from across the border, and I just go and jump and get the apple if that I don't see problem, and I do that. So I feel, I feel angry about that. I feel, I feel fear about that, of not knowing. One of the uh, distinctions you can make about that is which I is talking. When, when you say, I just feel like going over and grabbing an apple from something and I don't see what's wrong with that, which I is actually talking? Which I is talking so strongly that you, you disconnect from uh, your fear, actually. You disconnect from social interaction protocols. Which I would that be? I could give you They're choices. Grumbling. Maybe Thank the Thank you. You get a smiley face. You get a star. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, so that's your gremlin doing that. And your gremlin will stomp on social etiquette. It will stomp on subtle uh, status positions. It will stomp on hidden rules that everybody knows. And so the problem is that if, you're, if your gremlin is in charge, you will not know how to negotiate these subtle spaces and you'll just leave a mess behind you, an emotional mess of reactivity. You will create a legend about yourself that will go out in the world and bounce back to you that is not a really good legend. It's not the kind of legend that attracts people to you. So mm -hmm. it, you could have started that behavior easily in, uh, in early childhood around even two years old, being stubborn about abiding by the rules, about following the social rules. 
And so you, you might have a partial stuckness at around two years old of, you can't make me. No, you can't make me follow the rules. If I want an apple, I'm going to take it. And that's when we put the gremlin into our adult ego state. And it's probably still in there for you, Chanti. And so it's so good that you notice that. You can start to work on decontaminating your adult ego state from your gremlin. The gremlin is not bad. It just be, the gremlin behavior belongs in the gremlin ego state over here. And so you take one behavior at a time and put it there. And it takes a couple, a couple weeks sometimes to just put one, one behavior over there. We were talking to a woman who, who was in an emotional healing process. And she, she had this, uh, uh, her gremlin would actually confuse her in the adult ego state. Her gremlin, one of her gremlin tricks was confusion. And so, and Chloe was with her and she put the confusion in the gremlin and then started to talk again and then poof, it went right back. And then she took it out and put it here again, started to talk, boom, confused again. Every other mm -hmm. sentence, the gremlin. So it takes some time and effort to hold the behavior in the gremlin ego state while you may occupy more of your adult ego state. So I'll be writing that up more in the decontamination website, but it's so important to start that work and you have a perfect environment. And so, you know, an experiment to do would be to go back to the woman and say, I want to apologize. I hereby apologize mm -hmm. because I figured out that this gremlin part of myself was disrespecting social etiquette rules. And mm. I, it, it blinded me to the, to the impact of that. And I just apologized when I came into the group and didn't ask that it, in, that, and it's not about giving your center way. It's not about kissing her feet. It's just simply mm. putting on the table what's up for you, your experiments these days. You're learning about your gremlin. Mm. You're, you're learning that mm -hmm. it has, uh, it creates these legends about you that are shocking mm -hmm. or that are left over from a childhood so just you can apologize straightforward mm -hmm. and that's a really mm -hmm. great start mm -hmm. okay okay cool thank yeah you. thank you thank you great can i ask cool. a question who's that talking naomi naomi go ahead so then the declaration that we're invited to everything is more an attitude of allowing ourselves to find possibilities because I'm imagining I could then totally do that in a very gremlin way, just ignoring yeah. that I might not be invited. I'm so glad that this came up as a distinction. This is not a, a manner of uh, implementing gremlin behavior to sneak into wherever and disrupt things. It's not what the invitation is. The invitation is to face the fact, the part of ourselves that is in, in a sense playing small in a sense, hiding out, mm -hmm. in a sense, giving our center away, in our yeah. sense, being shy, and in a sense, withholding, and mm. in a sense, not taking responsibility to participate. And the whole shyness mm -hmm. about not participating is just yeah. leftover stuff from being a good girl, a nice girl, a good boy behavior box. And, and to look at and look at the old behavior patterns of excluding yourself and as a way of staying safe or staying small or staying invisible like that and to face into that and to not let that be you don't use that as a way to disconnect because I'm, I'm telling you this this team here 
this study group team, you guys have so much to give. You have so many, so much experience, so many distinctions. You have so many, much clarity to offer already. And, and to, to not participate simply because of, a, of a, the thought, the thought in your mind, oh, maybe they don't want me or maybe I'm not included like that. These thoughts then, then show up as a fear or, and, and, and then you don't participate. The queen goddess Shannon would say, step into your queen or king and, and, and be present and participate and contribute as the responsibility, as being a responsible adult. And it's, and it's, and so that's what it's about, Naomi. Yeah, thank you. When I heard the sentence, I felt it as a great invitation to do an emotional healing process on that part of me that does not feel invited so that I could actually say that declaration and feel it at the same time. Do you want to arrange that now? I will tell you the hands that go up when you ask yeah. for that. Cool. Go ahead. Would anybody enjoy doing a emotional healing process with me around the part that feels uninvited to things? I see Kay, Martina, Michelle, Devin, Lior, Noam, Christina, and Dor. So, Dora, you're going to have a fun time. <laughs> Thank you so, very much. And Calista also had her hand up. Okay. And Doris actually also had her hand up too. And Maria. So, and Janet. Jesus. Okay, come on, you guys. You're going to overwhelm her with a, <laughs> a new life. She's going to walk out of there with completely upgraded thoughtware. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we saw your hand, Dora. Thank you. We saw it. Yeah. Good. All right. Cool. Nice. I feel glad about our connection space here. Dor, you wanted to say something? Is that what you said? Yeah, can I ask something? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I have a, a liquid state with my experiment of something that I heard a while ago, like a few months ago maybe, about the 30, 13 seconds of glory once you do something uh, good you you basically you complete a job on your bench and then you have 30 seconds of enjoying that I that's what I remember her hearing and that's it you go to the next job on the bench so I feel I think it helped me a lot with my like gremlin behavior around that but now I'm in a liquid states around like every time that let's say I'm doing something good people tell me Good job on that, good job on that. And I always think it's their parent ego telling me that. It and is. sometimes and sometimes I want to tell people like like you did a good job on this or something like this. And I don't know, is every every like appreciation of of someone for doing something is a is like a basically your parent state. So you're not allowed to say to anyone. I mean not allowed. It's not about allowing. It's about is it my gremlin every time that is like and I'm, I'm stuck with this um, for, I want to know if you have like more, if you can say more about it. Yeah. One is that it's only 15 seconds, not 30 seconds. 
just to be on the bright side of things. So you only get about 15 seconds of applause. And the thing is, is to distinguish the difference between praise, which is a form of conditioning or manipulation, and sharing your positive attitude or your joy, actually. So um, I, I often, you saw me do it already today, I say I'm, I feel glad about something. And, and that's very different about me. It's not about you. So if I'm, if I'm around door, Sharabi, if I'm around you, and I do stuff to get your praise, where is my center? And my center's over with you, trying to get your praise. And then in a way, you're manipulating me with your praise. And it's a very parent, exactly like you said, parent-child sort of, of arrangement. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to survive, get praising from you, and then you say, I'm okay. I go, ah, I'm okay. And then I try something else to get this praise from you. And I go, oh, that was so wonderful. I go, ah, okay, I survived again. And so another, a more adult way to communicate about is to check in with yourself and see what's really going on when somebody does something that, that, that's working. And, and it's, it's, it's a kind of, for me, it's a, a celebration. I, I, wanna, I wanna celebrate with them. And so one of the ways I can celebrate with their success or, or their, their creation, their contribution, that seems so really good to me is I just say, I feel glad. I'm, I'm so glad that, that in another way is, is, to, is to ask them, how do you feel about that? How are you feeling about, what does it feel to you? How do you feel about having done that? And to listen to their experience about it and so that's a gift that you give someone is to listen to them to make space to listen to them and go i just want to hear how that was for you how did you how did you do this or uh what was it like for you to do this and that way you're not there's no praise coming out but there is connection and there is a communication about either your joy or the celebration of it or your interest in in their the way they created it and those are, that works for children, it works for your parents, works for the neighbor next door. It really works everywhere. It works even on a policeman. And so, yeah, you got it? You get how to do that? The shift? Yes, thank you very yeah, cool. much. Yeah, cool, thanks. Great. Cool, anything else right now before we jump into the book? I, I just, I am back to the beginning when you were talking about the five levels of responsibility mm -hmm. and how, what, like just curious about the procedure that you use to have people admit they were at the baby level or whatever that first level, like mm -hmm. did you, how did you do that? It wasn't a, a case of having to admit it. It was the way to do it was to make a very adult safe space for people to understand first the map of how modern culture is centered on child level responsibility and how that's so clear because of the message that we're making with no intention at all in modern culture of ever cleaning those messes up. And so this is clearly a child centered culture, child level responsibility centered culture. And then they get the feeling for it. And people don't usually have so much of a clarity about even what adult level responsibility is, which is, so we explained it pretty clearly. Adult level responsibility means 
it's fair. Adult responsibility is fair. I will clean up my share. I will pay my share. I will participate my share. It's a fair level of responsibility. High level responsibility is a little bit unreasonable responsibility. So you're not so dependent on logic and reasons and you just, you just take a little bit more responsibility for the hell of it. And radical responsibility is, it's all my responsibility, all of it, as a joy, as, a, as putting myself in a choice position or a, or a source position for what is happening in my life or the world actually, it's a radical level of responsibility. And so you explain all those levels very simply and clearly without judgment being attached. These are just your choice. You can choose whatever. And then here are your options for you starting over. Let's say you're starting over in this game world, this business, this project. You're starting over and you have five different contracts you can sign. Which one do you want to sign? Which one do, are, you, are you committing to? Which one inspires you? You know, that's the one. It's what do you want to commit to? If you had a choice to start over again, which of these five levels of responsibility would you commit to in that particular game world? And then it's a neutral thing. And so people were pretty, pretty proud of the, of it was a woman who put her hand up for the child level responsibility. I mean, it was clear in her behavior in the space that was her boxes and gremlins preferred level of responsibility. And later on, people admitted to, to us that actually there are quite a few more in the game world who, who were you know, performing at the level of child level responsibility, but they didn't admit it in that. And it wasn't about admitting, they didn't choose that. They, you know, so the game world itself has bright principles. You can distill the bright principles of any project or game world in the same way as a person. It's a, a few slight differences, but you can distill them and one of the bright principles of this particular game world is transformation. So if transformation is one of the bright principles of your game world, this is actually a door opener for radical responsibility. And so it's almost, for me personally, if there's not something like radical, radical responsibility or transformation or evolution or initiation in their bright principles, I, I just, I'm not so interested in, consulting with them. And I tell people that I say, look, if you're going to, if you're asking for consulting, how to make it nice for a, um, an, a child level or even a just ordinary adult level responsibility game, I'll say, look, go get a different consultant. I'm, I'm interested in coaching radical responsibility game worlds. This is my expertise and I'm putting my time and energy into that. So let me know let me know if you guys change your mind, but I'm going to I'm, I commit to other game worlds. So you don't have to try to, many people today are thinking, oh yeah, gosh, we should go into businesses and help them shift their game world to higher levels of responsibility. I just never saw it happen. Every, every single department in Deutsche Post or Deutsche Bank or, or uh, wasn't Microsoft, it was, um, Computer Sciences Corporation, where I was working before as a consultant and got their department to shift into a circular power structure in their department and play winning happening instead of I win you lose. Every single one of those departments within a couple of months was completely 
reorganized by the organization so that all the people were scattered all over the place and, and, and it was destroyed. And so that after a few years of that, I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to work with edge working, edge working organizations and projects. And so I've done that ever since, but, but some people, some people, it's your archetypal lineage to go do that. And if it is, go do it. I mean, there's so many people in prison, for example, um, or people who are dying of, of terminal illnesses or people who are handicapped or people who are uh, uh, refugees. I mean, I actually would love to do the experiment of bringing upgraded thoughtware into refugee camps. We have a website called newrefugees.org. And it's, it's this challenge of taking those people who have escaped from their original home culture and recognizing that they are a refugee from their culture due to global warming, due to war, due to political strife. And, and in fact, I am a refugee from modern culture because of my thoughtware. So I am a refugee in the same, in the same state that they are. I'm a refugee, I've lost the culture that I was born and raised in. I'm out there over the edge, just like them. And we, the two of us coming together, it would be an amazing combination so that, for example, a refugee camp could take radical responsibility for the piece of land that they're on and become a nano nation, for example, with their own set of laws, their own flag, their own passport, their own driver's license. And then when the police come, you say, may I see your passport, please? You can't come in here until you identify yourself and agree to follow our rules of engagement in our in our country you want to and and this is totally possible it's totally possible so anyway i'd like to encourage that as experiments that happen gosh how did we get here all right thank you Kay. thanks Kay. that was great anything else right about that yes i have a question Lior, what? Lior, go ahead. I assume radical responsibility means taking also responsibility for myself. So what would be the, the guiding north, north Star to finding the balance between my needs and the world's? So it, ordinary adult responsibility is finding the needs for yourself. Taking care of your needs is ordinary adult level responsibility. That is not radical level responsibility. That's ordinary adult. That's adult level responsibility. And in modern culture, it is so extraordinary for somebody to take even adult level responsibility that we refer to adult level responsibility as extraordinary because it, it is so far on the edge of modern culture to take adult level responsibility, it's just not demonstrated to us at all. We, there's no models, role models for that at all. And even at the top of hierarchical organizations in politics or government or corporations or anything, there's no real examples of adult level responsibility. So it's extraordinary. So if, you, if you're going up to radical level responsibility, see, Okay, now you're going back into what does responsibility mean? And there is old thoughtware about responsibility. 
And it's usually demonstrated to us that if I am taking responsibility, the consequences of that are that I will pay the bill. I'm taking responsibility, I will pay the bill. Or I will carry the burden. Or I will, uh, I will be punished. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, I'm responsible, you're responsible for this, so you get punished. And so the, the general, the essence of responsibility as understood in modern culture is you would be really stupid to take responsibility. How stupid could you be? You have to pay, you get punished, you're guilty, you carry the load, don't take, avoid responsibility. So modern culture, the whole, the whole game of modern culture is if you can avoid responsibility, you win. You, you are the there uh, some <clears throat> Ocean Eleven, you know, robbing the bank in Nevada again for the 11th time. And, you know, you get to, you get to be the, the bandito, you know, the bandito, the Bonnie and Clyde or Butch Cassidy or whatever. You're a hero if you can avoid, you're the Donald Trump of the world. You know, you can avoid responsibility. You get to be president of the United States. So this is a, a modern culture's version of the word, the meaning of the word responsibility. Next culture has a different relationship to responsibility. And that is that if I am responsible, it's, it's almost like I, in a, in a train, for example, let's say there's this train, a, a, a locomotive train going through the mountains and they're building the, the train tracks. So, so the train goes along as far as the train tracks are. So the people who are on the train are adult level responsibility because they paid for their ticket for a seat on the train. The radical responsibility of the people out front deciding where the train tracks go. Where does it go? Radical responsibility is building the new game worlds that make the current game worlds irrelevant. That's radical responsibility. Adult level responsibilities come you know, it's like complaining or blaming or trying to change the system from inside the system or trying to vote right, vote correctly, or this kind of thing. But radical responsibility is inventing the next game world. And so then you are at choice, then you get to choose, then you create, you cause, you, it's a joy, it's, a, it's an honor, it's a pleasure, it's ecstatic. And so this is the next culture Mm, definition or experience of being responsible and that's radical level responsibility and and then it's like you know nobody can talk me out of this i've already had the experience of being radically responsible nobody can say you're stupid i just sort of you know i've already had the experience you cannot talk me out of it there's no reasons you can give me it's not fair or it's not really your your, your fault that the temperature on the planet's going up. It's not really your fault that that the that the forests are burning in California. It's not your fault. Like it is. It is actually. It is actually. I'm responsible for that happening. What am I doing about it? Well, I just wrote a spark. I just wrote an article. I'm writing the next book. I just did a three day training at an eco village to upgrade thoughtware. I'm doing a hell. I'm doing a lot of stuff about it. And, and you, you guys are too in your own way. So it's cool to, to acknowledge the contribution that you're making and the level of 
radical responsibility in the in the world because the the connections that we make here builds this it's kind of it's called a critical connection like every time you are with somebody here in the group and you do an emotional healing process with them you're exchanging value you're exchanging value between different parts of the world and this creates a critical connection over which value is exchanged which creates a field it's like when, when electrons go through a wire, they create an electromagnetic field. Well, when you exchange value through a critical connection between different game worlds or communities of practice, it creates a field that is, causes the influence for the emergence of next culture, for the next culture to emerge. And so this is so cool because we're, we're developing these things all over the world. It's making this field. So every time you do one of these emotional healing processes with somebody else, you ask for it, somebody provides it, you're both working together as this team and you're making this field of influence, think of that. Remember that you're not just you know, getting helped from some childhood thing. You're really making this field for the influence of next culture because we're collaborating together by exchanging this very valuable stuff, clarity and possibility and healing. So, um, yes. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Thank you. All right. I'm getting the hint. Clinton, that it's Clinton is that what the morphogenic field is when you talk about yes. the morphogenic field? Yes, you're, you influence the morphogenetic field when you, when you make that field. That field is the morphogenetic field. The field that you make through exchanging value through critical connections between game worlds is that's the morphogenetic field because it, the change that you make source is the changing the source of the morphogenetic field. I mean, I talked to J.F. Richard, J.F. Richard, I talked to him for two days. He's the author of a book, a really excellent book called High Noon, 20 Global Problems in 20 Years to Solve Them, which he wrote back around 2005, somehow around there. So, and so what we've got is, he said, I, I read the book, I love the book, I, <clears throat> I found his uh, email, his uh, website at the back of the book. I went online to find his website and it was hijacked by a Viagra sales company. And this just pissed me off. And so I was in Germany and I, I, call, I started calling him. He's the vice, he was the vice president of the World Bank in Paris. And I just started calling. I said, I need to talk to J.F. Richard. Who are you? I'm, I had to come up with something. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, 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 tra a transformational circle alchemist and I need to interview him for a project. And they go, God, what the hell is that? Okay, go ahead. Here's his number. And they connected me up to JF Richard. And so I talked to him and I said, look, your, your, your website was hijacked. And he goes, yeah, my son forgot to renew the thing. I go, and I got the website back for him. I, I tagged it. I watched it. I watched when they, they stopped paying for it and I snagged it and I gave the website back to him. Anyway, it's a, I provided value for this guy. He said, I said, I said, we need to talk to you. He said, come on over. And so me and uh, my ex-wife, Marion, and a guy named Wolfgang, we went and we interviewed him for two days. And I asked every question from a guy from the World Bank would know what the conspiracy theories are for real. 
He's the vice president of the World Bank in Paris. I said, what's going on? I, I, I named every conspiracy theory I could think of about black hats and, you know, the, the bad guys and, you know, somebody owns all the banks and, and, and is collaborating to destroy humanity and, you know, take over the power. And he just, he just chuckled. Every time I said something like that, he's just shaking his head. He goes, it's not that way. He says, it's way simple. He said, we're just not grown up. He said, people are just childish. People are greedy. People are scared. And the result of not being initiated in adulthood, this is what we have in the world right now. There's no conspiracy. And, and it was so amazing. We, we talked to him, he paid for lunch for us. For two days in a row, he paid for lunch for us. And we just inter- hammered him with every single question. And his, his thing was, this is the state of humanity on the planet right now. We're not initiated. And it was so scary and it's at the same time enlightening to hear this from him. And it's, it's bothered me ever since. So uh, that's why I'm so dedicated to initiation. And that's why the chapter in the book that we're reading today is initiation. <laughs> so, um, cool. Dora, you, you have your hand up or are you just wiggling it? Okay. Dora, are you asking a question or are you just saying cool? No, I'm just saying cool and I'm wiggling it. Okay. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. And so when you create this field of influence between the you're doing your work with each other in these emotional healing process, you got to get it. It's the most important work that's happening on the planet right there. You are at the cutting edge of human evolution of consciousness in each one of your processes. It's so important to do that stuff with each other. <clears throat> and I know it's scary. I know it's scary to put your hand up and go, I need an emotional process. Could, who could help me do this? You know, and it's scary to do that. It's embarrassing in a way. It's like, it's like I'm looking bad. So we're all together. We're on the looking bad team. It's the learning team. You know, there's either the looking good team going nowhere or the looking bad team in learning. That's, this is us. So it's scary to put your hand up in it and say, hey, in, you know, I, I'm ready for an emotional healing process. Yay! This is this is yay. This is the this is this is the next evolution of consciousness in the field that's going to happen when you do work together. And let's say let's say it's confusing. Let's say it doesn't come together in some miraculous turnaround in your life because you get this distinction that reorders your entire mimetic structure. Let's say it's not like that. Let's say, let's say you're just sad together. Let's say you're confused together or, or questioning and questioning. Let's say that's what happens in your emotional healing process. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're, you've enlightened, you know, you're not, you didn't get the thing. Hey, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is the process. What matters is you're both together in this conscious questioning having conscious feelings, doing, doing this considering together, out loud, in public, connected, that's what the edge of uh, the evolution of human consciousness is. It's putting consciousness on the thing. That's what you're doing. You're spending half hour, an hour together, putting consciousness on this, on this thing. That's the work. 
that's where it evolves. And, and, you know, these processes, I just want you to know, they have levels. They really have levels. I've done a childhood process or a past life process that had four, five, six levels to it. So I did the same thing. I thought I was done with this. I do it again. You know, I'm back in the crib when my brother's getting born and the babysitter's there ignoring me. And I find more decisions that I made that I didn't know that I made in those three days when my parents were gone, when my brother was being born. And I, I, I felt like I was going to die. And I made these decisions about doing it alone and not trusting people and having to be a survivor my whole life. And those things, they had three, four, five, six levels to it. So don't be afraid that you're feeling the same thing and go, don't go, it didn't work. Go and just go ahead and do the emotional healing processes. Catherine. Hi. I just, I wanted to say thank you so much for this group. This is very new for me. And I did raise my hand a couple of weeks ago and finally did have um, a couple of women support me. And it was a really extraordinary process. And I've done a lot of work. And so it wasn't that I was resistant to it, but I was, I maybe some fear and what else are we going to do? And when we started and they said, how can we help you? And I just told them I felt scared and angry and sad and they they spent an hour with me and it just brings tears to my heart that two women i don't know that well really at all just showed up for me and it really helped me you know just holding space for me separating my emo my feelings and holding space for me i mean it was really profound that two women who are not trained psychologists necessarily just human beings that care about another person and I wrote them and I just said it was amazing being human together. And so it really, it helped me a lot. And I just want to thank you and thank everyone on this group. And I look forward to raising my hand again and again and again so I can, you know, be more alive. So thank you. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, everybody. Wow. Thank you. Very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Trefino just wrote, I declare that I will continue to look bad in this space. <laughs> Thank you. I just got a note from my team over here that we have to get to our gate at, I have to wrap this up by 7.45 my time, which is about 25 minutes from now. So what I was thinking of was at least right now, while, we're, while we've been so focused on this, are there anybody who wants mm -hmm. to coordinate a, an emotional healing process team for anything right now. Anybody want to do that? Yeah, I do actually. Naomi. Naomi, okay. I could also reach out to the same people about it's another process that I want to do. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Mm. I really recommend having different people in your processes. Uh, and the, one of the reasons is is that each of us is unique and each of us has really a different worldview and a different perspective and different skill base and and those elements of newness the new the fresh the, where it comes from like where the support comes from is also 
it builds matrix. I, I, I think you know what I mean by that. It's, uh, it's a little less comfortable. It's a little more scary to have new people uh, take you through another process, but it is so, uh, we, it's called village weaving. It weaves the village when you get these kind of connections with more different people. So the village weaving part also is, is important in terms of putting out this, this morphogenetic field that we've been talking about. So I would encourage you to, Naomi, to go ahead and ask for other people. Would you like to do that? I would love to, thank you. I'm feeling very afraid and I mix it with sadness around migrational issues. I'm dealing with, um, with an like unclear, invisible force which has influence on my life. And I, it is making me afraid to make decisions. And it reminds me of growing up with parents who had influence on me in that kind of a way and of past life stuff I have gone into. And I would love to good, do a good, good. process. Say it. And Sorry, I, would, say I want to do a process around that fear. And I would love somebody or some people to be present with that today. So can you see people's hands can you see people's hands up you can't see it right or can you no i can i'm not seeing anyone raise their okay would anybody like to do that with naomi i see door and janet trevino door and janet okay great thank you i'll get in touch and, with you and, yeah so i just got a note here which is a great question from mark who says you know do you recommend healing sessions with only one person or multiple people and in one or two people is basically the most effective team is one or two people. And in our, in our team, it's fantastic to have two people because different people have different skills in terms of holding space and navigating this transformational work, the evolution, the healing process. And so the, the value of having two people is that, the one who's holding space, they learn from each other. The space holders learn from each other. So it's not just reinventing the wheel. We also get to share our skill, our skill base with each other, the different distinctions that we have. So I would recommend really two people if you can do it each time. And then the two coaches really uh, work at sharing the skills. You know, some, you guys are all geniuses. And so a lot of times when you hook into your bright principle or your archetypal lineage and it starts coming through and one person is on a roll, there isn't really necessity for the second person to say anything. Don't feel bad when that happens. Okay. Just kind of go on the ride. All right. And um, it's, it's uh it's just a blast to go on the ride and you'll, you'll, you'll have a line in the script here and there, you will get a line in the script and that will be a crucial little piece that you add in. So even if you're not speaking most of the time and you only contribute a couple of things here and there, it's still crucial, still a really powerful element. And the question is what about witnesses, uh, people who agree to let the two coaches lead, but get to be present. That's also still possible. And also very educational and useful, but you just need to be clear that the, uh, if you get three or four people and they're all trying to talk at the same time, that's not really effective. So one or two coaches and the witness thing is also great. It's also great. I've learned so much being a witness in processes. So I just want to say, because here's another thing about this, which is 
when I first started learning this stuff, I had I was trained as a physicist. I, I didn't know what a feeling was. I mean, I tell this story of back in 1983, I was in Santa Rosa, California, and I thought I had come back from my world journey. I had a daughter, I had my company started, I owned, you know, I bought the house we were living in, I had a car, you know, I had things were, I thought I was, I thought I was on a, I thought I was together enough that it was time to write a book. So I, I for some reason, I heard about this psychic lady who was a, a block away and she was having a meeting on Wednesday night or something. So I could just go over there and for $15 or something, sit in in a circle of, and she would just do psychic reading for you. So I'm sitting there and they're mostly women, but I was sitting there in the circle and I heard her talk to each of the eight or nine women who were in front of me. And every single thing seemed to be completely accurate, completely true. And I, I was so impressed by the, her clarity and her nonlinear possibility that she was giving to people from some realm that she was talking from. And then she gets to me and I just have my question. And I say, I say, is it time for me to write my book? And she just started laughing her head off. She nearly rolled on the floor. And, and she was, uh, and she didn't laugh at anybody else. She was just, I said, is it time to write my book? And she's rolling on the floor. She's, and, and finally she gets it together enough. And I go, what, you know, what are you laughing about? And she looks at me and goes, you're asking me if it's time for you to write your book and you cannot even feel. So, so this was, this was a wake up call. This is like such a wake up call for me that, um, and so, and so that started me on this, on this, on this path of trying to learn to feel. And I learned so much from watching other people teach this. And, and it was so inspiring to me that I became a trainer. So, but, uh, um, yeah, so sitting there as a witness, the thing is that my first step in, in being able to hold space and navigate space I copied the other space holders. I just copied them because it was such a bizarre behavior or phrases that they would use or their languaging and uh, terminology. And I just copied them. And so it was clear I was copying this guy, but it set up new grooves in my brain, new, new patterns. And it took a couple of years before I would say a first, my first original possibility. It took a couple of years. So don't worry if, you are repeating word for word some people's phrases sometimes. Don't worry about that. Because it, it, it'll build up this it's a, a foundation in you where you start getting spontaneous stuff in a whole new domain than you ever were in before. It just takes a little while. So it's great to sit in, pattern yourself on, uh, on pattern yourself on somebody and just do it, do that thing. I see a note from Doris. Uh, just about needing a support for the group to continue. Yeah. I will need to leave in 15 minutes. If somebody would like to start reading in the book on uh, page 67, I think it is. I can verify that in a moment. Um, then that would be fine because I could get off and you guys could read a few pages together. And let me see if I can figure out what page we're on here. If somebody wanted to do that, that would be super. Does anybody want to do that? Somebody have the book there and want to read 
for the uh, 20 minutes or a half hour after I get, I leave. Somebody want to do that? I don't think I see any hands. Am I missing somebody? Nicole, want to do that? So how long would you read? If starting in 15 minutes or so, how or if I start reading, how long would you read for? I could I could stay at least to the top of the hour. Okay, so 15 minutes after that, that'd be great. So cool. Yeah, 15 actually, yeah, 15 minutes is the official end time actually. Yeah, and I said that we wouldn't read stuff after the official end time. So. I'm trying to get my computer to uh, give me some space here so I can do what I'm supposed to do here. Let's see. Oh, I know how to do it. Okay, okay, okay. Just a second. Yes. Okay. Good. And all right, all right. So look, I'm going to read for the next few minutes and it's going to be uh, it's more of this list it's about this list of hints for your rite of passage into adulthood which I said several times already that I've used the word initiate adulthood and authentic adulthood initiatory processes and so okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna start to read from that part now So we did this, we did this together about declaring out loud about I hereby declare that I'm taking my next step in my in initiatory processes into adulthood. So we did that together. All right. Just checking. All right, I'm not exactly sure if we read this part. So I'm gonna start and tell me if we read this part already, okay? It says, because an, an initiatory process to adulthood involves upgrading, on page 69, because it involves upgrading the ways that you think, feel, act, and are, it is self-deceptive to think that you can design and manage an initiatory process for yourself, by yourself. Did we read that? I don't think we read that before. I'm scared that I skipped a section. No, I think that's where we are. Okay. So it's, it's really, it's quite people these days in the new age and and millennials and all that would think they can do their own rites of passage and so it's i i just really question that and i i would which means it sets up a problem let me keep reading i do not like telling you that anything is impossible promoting impossibility is against my nature and I have to say here that based on my experience, when it comes to navigating your own unfolding, it is far too easy to fool yourself about that. 
A central component of successful initiation work is persistent, clear, direct, and on radically honest feedback from other members of your team. Thinking that you can give yourself accurate feedback would be like leaving a kleptomaniac to guard a jewelry store or a nymphomaniac to babysit your nine-year-old son. You might not get the results you hoped for. In addition to exploring study materials, exchanging feedback, sharing stories, and giving and receiving uh, emotional healing process work with your team, the suggestion here is to also obtain the help of initiation, an initiator, an authentic initiator. An initiator can be anyone. A guide can be anyone who is more experienced and further advanced in their initiations than you are and who is responsible and clear enough to serve as a guide. So this doesn't mean you need to have the best initiator in the world be the person that you align yourself with. It just means they need to be just a step ahead of you. So this is, in a way, this is us. In a way, there's people here who are ahead of me in certain parts of their initiatory processes, and can, we can serve each other that way. And there are some specialists out there in different things. Mm, so for example, well, let me just keep reading. So since initiatory processes are not sponsored by modern culture, your guide will need to be someone who is, has already gained access to, to parts of next culture, to a greater context than modern culture. This does not mean that you should commit to the first Shaolin American Indian, psychic, Kabbalistic, Tibetan Buddhist, Tantric, Sufi shaman, Kundalini priest healer from Africa who comes along. Okay, it doesn't mean you should do that. Um, Stick a feather in your hat these days and advertise sweat lodges, vision quests, firewalking, outdoor drumming or meditation retreats, and you can fill your pockets with gold from the gullible. Let the buyer beware. Being ripped off and betrayed a few times does not necessarily need to be part of your rite of passage. You get that? You don't need to be wounded from this. And then again, you know, maybe it is. Maybe you do have to wake up from your naivety about trusting some you trusting not trusting your fear no not you, if you ignore your fear and don't ask questions and don't check certain things being naive about your initiatory processes may be part of your initiatory process but i don't i hope not really i hope not i, I don't recommend that i will read the next section the next dot you will most likely end up with more than one initiator along your path. But again, beware. The tendency of your mind to come up with reasonable arguments for jumping from guide to guide the instant before an important shift is about to happen is uncanny. I just want to say that again. There's parts of us that have this uncanny power to give reasonable arguments for jumping from guide to guide the instant before an important shift is about to happen. Did anybody notice that before? Did you ever notice that kind of, this thing? Yeah, 
And so it's this, it's this recognizing it in yourself when the burn, the transformational burn starts getting to this point. Check, you have to check it out to make sure there's not abuse happening, that there's not this, this uh, power game happening or this whole cultish thing happening. You have to make sure of that and stay with the burn. It's stay with the fear. It's to take your anger to the next step of the rage club. It's to take your, take your gremlin and put it on the table and say, look, my gremlin's going crazy. It wants to protect me from you. And it has all these reasons built up about why you're an asshole or why you're just like my dad or why whatever. And this is the kind of burn that comes up for participating and sticking in, staying in the rite of passage, staying in the initiatory process. And because jumping from guide to guide, well, I'm back in the book again. Um, jumping from guide to guide will only make you good at jumping. And I'm sure you know people like that. They're workshop junkies. You know, they go to this workshop, that workshop, do some ayahuasca, do some uh, in tantric yoga workshop with somebody, do, do some, you know, you know, you know people like that. And uh, whenever, whenever those people come in the expand the box training, basically I try to kick them out. If I say, you're a workshop junkie, this is not a workshop. This is, an, this is a transformational training space. You're gonna fry your circuits. We are not gonna make it nice for you here. And so um, this is sometimes, I don't mean to be an asshole, at the same time it's necessary to be an asshole. And so I'm, I'm just really concerned that uh, people don't, don't consider this to be a, a, a workshop, you know, a nice thing that's gonna happen, uh, something like that, that they really get it, that, that we're, we're going full out. And if somebody shows up who's a workshop junkie, I'm, I just say, this, this is not for you. This is not the place for that. Because, yeah, yeah it's not gonna, I think you get what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, so the best way to find an authentic initiator just lost my page. The best way to find an authentic initiator is to speak with other people who are already participating in what the guide is offering. Interview the students. Look for a guide whose participants tend to stick with him or her for a long time. And then once you once there you see that they're empowered, they can speak up, they're happy, they're collaborative, they're they're not secretive, they don't have weird little behaviors going on amongst themselves. You know, once you're convinced that this is something that's noble, something that's authentic, then plan to stick with them for, for just as long. A worthy guide will be surrounded by participants who are grounded, centered, balanced, healthy, vocal interested, vibrant, kind, generous, informative, vulnerable, intelligent, patient, well-rounded, and not only able to speak about what they're doing with clarity and enthusiasm, but also able to listen to what you are looking for with respectful attention and not try to brainwash you into, into the, they have found the one right way. 
you know, really they have this open mind. Those are the kind of people, if, if they're, that's, if that's the participants, get with that program, you know, really dive in. Um, the way to have the guide commit to you is to commit to the guide first. Committing first is a little known and extremely effective nonlinear action. In particular, committing first before you know how. Or once you've, once you've assessed the situation from your adult ego state and from your using your of all five bodies, and you go, this is going to work. This is cool. You commit before you know how. Be, commit before you even have figured out how to even pay for it. Um, that's a magic, it's a magic thing. Because when you commit, you change the shape of your body. You change your, the shape of your energetic body. And the universe, universe then is forced to interact with your new shape. If you have this shape, the universe produces these results, change your shape. The universe abhors a vacuum. Well, it cannot stand a vacuum. And it moves in to fill up these spaces or moves out of the way from your new space. And you change the way the universe interacts for you through committing. Committing doesn't happen in your head. When you commit, it changes your shape. So you commit to the guide first. Find out what the guide expects in practical terms as a commitment from the people that he or she is working with. And then commit in exactly those practical terms. You know, for example, in the trainer path, we have this list of 10 things. Build your website, write an article, start a possibility team, all these things. You know, those are the things. And you just commit to those. You just commit to them. And it'll put you through your, it'll put you through this, this process. But that's, that's what really works. That's the stuff that works. So, so you commit to exactly those practical terms. The guide for a man's rite of passage into manhood will not be a woman. And vice versa. Parentheses, I've just been clear about this. And in addition to that, I just got a flag from my team that we have to hike over to the gate and get over to Portugal because that's where we're going next. So without further ado, I will bring this space to a close. I am so glad that we made it to the station on time. And it's great to see your faces and hear your, the conversation today was, was so nourishing for me and I hope for you. So we'll see you next week in Portugal. Thank you very much, everybody. Yay, thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And, and so connect with each other for those processes. Go for it. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Is somebody going to continue reading? It looks like not.
I would, except I don't have the book. Hi, Annie. Hey. How are you, Leslie? I'm good. Good. Thank you. Uh, I'm so okay. glad that I hopped on. Yeah. Uh, somebody had said they would, but uh, yeah, it looks like it just closed up. I have the book. You have the book? You want to read? Okay. All right. Preparing yourself for the various stages of rite of passage involves developing internal disciplines, vigorous diligence, and various kinds of attention. Consistency of practice, enduring various discomforts and challenges, perhaps feeling embarrassed or overwhelmed, an ability to persist in the face of unforeseen or unimaginable difficulties, paying certain participation fees, intending particularly non-attractive gatherings or work projects, accepting with equal identity of your own and other people's lack and insufficiencies and so on. For a dignified rite of passage, it helps when you decide from the start to do whatever it takes to proceed with sincerity and wholeheartedness. Swami Pajapad, a little known but skilled guide from India, was famous for telling his students, quote, it is not a joke. You will have to pay full price. Unquote. And that was the paragraph. I was wishing that somebody could take it on from there, but it were one minute to. <laughs> I apologize. I feel I'm not a good reader. <laughs> you are fine, but it's fine if if we're if you want to call it. Call yes. it a session? Yes, let's call it a, a session. Okay. It's good seeing everyone. Thank you. Good seeing you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.